Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, December 8th. I'm John Weigel here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla and Mark Dent, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. We all know that the government spies on us, but you may have not known that one of the routes that they use are from push notifications. We'll address how this data is collected and what they actually use it for. But first, before we get there, let's get you up to speed with everything else making headlines in the world of business and tech. First things first, the AI race has heated up in the twilight of 2023. Meta announced a bunch of new updates for its AI tools. One of those new features lets users remake AI-generated images sent from their friends in Messenger or Instagram chat by holding down on the photo and adding a text prompt. The three of us just tried it, and it it seemed a bit clunky, guys. Yeah, I'm working on it right now, and I'm not getting anywhere. So... I went to imagine.meta.com and it did generate a fantastic image of a cat playing a banjo for me. Boy, did it ever. But when I message it to my friend, it seems a little unclear. He did ask Meta AI to remix the image and it made an image that it thinks is the sentence Meta AI can you remix this image, <laughs> which um, is just like a pixelated picture of a wave surrounded by squiggly lines and a sentence that does not seem to be in any known language. So an extremely meta image was generated at least. So it is accurate, I suppose. Very true to form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll say this. When I typed in an image, Chiefs fan surfing, but didn't really take too well. Uh, Just a very generic woman surfing in a red shirt with eyes that are not human. But it made me want to type in a lot more prompts. So I guess it wins on that front. Yeah, I guess so. Well, we'll see how it goes. Doesn't seem like this is going to win any AI wars anytime soon, but we'll keep updated on Meta here. Speaking of Meta, it now fully encrypts messages on Facebook and in Messenger with plans for Instagram in the future. Privacy advocates are very much in favor of this, but law enforcement isn't exactly over the moon about it. Next in Goldfish news, Campbell's Soup will launch a potato version of Goldfish in three flavors, cheddar, sour cream and onion, and salt and vinegar. A cool new venture considering that Goldfish is one of the biggest brands at nearly $1 billion in annual sales. I mean, so many schools are being pumped full of these Goldfish right now, probably. In relation to the kids and schools, the Biden administration will forgive another $4.8 billion in student loan debt, impacting 80,300 borrowers, including 46,000 borrowers on income-driven repayment plans and 34,400 borrowers who have worked in public service for 10 plus years. So if that sounds like any of you out there, give a check. You might be getting relieved of some debt. Last few stories take us over to Europe. Robinhood is going international. The app is now available to users in the EU a week after launching in the UK. EU customers can use the app's crypto trading service to buy and sell about 25 cryptocurrencies right now. 
And lastly, in some surprising news, Krispy Kreme opened up its first shop in France, which might sound a little ridiculous considering Parisians' unlimited access to the best pastries ever. But France has been good to American fast food chains. The five leading U.S. companies in the space combined made up $9.3 billion last year. So that's nothing to scoff at. What do you all think about this new French venture for Krispy Kreme? I think that sooner or later, the American fast food will come. There's no stemming that tide. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me of being in Japan where you have the best fish markets and incredible food. And then you'll find someplace that's like, American food, it's a hot dog. And you're like, why are you eating a hot dog? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I love a hot dog every now and again. So I get it. But at the same time, I do feel like there's always this rush to get whatever the new fast food thing is, even if it's not good. Mm-hmm. Like we have Smashburgers here when the first Shake Shack opened, everyone went nuts. We have Starbucks here when the first Dunkin' opened, everyone went nuts. And I just like, I don't know. I just think people, they want to try the new thing. And it doesn't matter if it's the lowbrow Krispy Kreme or the highbrow cronut that you have to wait in line three hours for. When Whataburger opened in Kansas City, like its first expansion kind of out of the South, there were people who were lined up in cars for like over a mile. I mean, it's and <laughs> it's just when you think of things that don't even necessarily have huge cult followings, <laughs> they still get these intense crowds. And in Europe, I long ago studied abroad in Rome and the talk was that there would never be a Starbucks in Italy, especially in Rome. One opened this year. So they're coming. Mm. Also, similarly, uh, I was around when Chick-fil-A opened one of its first stores in New York, and there was a lot, you would not believe it, in the middle of the financial district, down like three to four blocks, like full city blocks of people waiting to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it seems like France is having a lot of good luck with it because other companies like KFC, Starbucks, Domino's, Chipotle, Shake Shack, they're all moving in. And they're all doing quite well. And Popeye's is actually mentioned in this specific New York Times article as one of the biggest draws lately for people in France as an American fast food. So if you're living in France, I guess live it up. Enjoy the American food and the French food that you have access to now. And now on to our main story of the day. It involves an even deeper layer of smartphone spying and data collection by our beloved government. Juliet, what's going on here with our push notifications? Well, what we learned, and we learned this via a letter written by Senator Ron Wyden. He's a Democrat from Oregon. He wrote to the Department of Justice asking it to allow Apple and Google to tell the public about how various governments, including the U.S. and foreign agencies, can compel them to turn over app notification records. I guess they don't have to tell us because he just did, though. (laughs) Which seems to be the case because Apple's response was, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it was like, oh, yeah, the government won't let us tell you about it. But now that the cat's out of the bag, yeah, 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 that's the thing that happens. And we will update our transparency policies accordingly. (laughs) Wow. Incredible. Do either of you have push notifications enabled? If so, how many? I have approximately zero, but you know, maybe more like one or two. Slack, which actually just signed me out, I think, earlier today or yesterday. So it's like <laughs> technically zero right now. But yeah, I'm no fan of push notifications. I always say no, always. I have them all turned on. (laughs) (laughs) So we have both sides of the extremes here. Uh, Juliet, can you inform us um, how you live your life every day? Uh, Horribly. And I need (laughs) to turn them off. But it's just like, I feel like every time I go to do it, it's like, 
I have to go through every app I have and do them all individually. And I'm like, ah, screw it. So right now I have uh, some text messages. I see that John has just completed a task in Asana. I did. Boy, did I ever. Whoa, that is a deep, deep cut. I feel like push notification if someone else completed a task. (laughs) We have a meeting in a few minutes. Someone paid me for dinner last night via Venmo. All of my email addresses... A stock that I have is down 10.6% according to Robinhood. Someone is making edits in a Google Doc. I just downloaded that cat playing a banjo photo that I generated from Meta AI. (laughs) It's 66 degrees today in Los Angeles. Wow. Eventbrite wants me to know that there's an ugly sweater party I could go to. No, Juliet. um, (laughs) I could keep going. With all of these push notifications that you receive every day, I can't believe it, number one. Number two, What would the government actually use this information for? I'm fascinated to know. I'm glad you asked now that we determined (laughs) how Mark is safe and I am not. (laughs) Basically, according to Wyden's letter, all of these little alerts that we get don't come from the app directly, but instead route through this, uh, he was calling it a digital post office. Now, this is either run by Apple or Google, depending on whether you have an iOS or an Android device. And if you're an app developer and you want to send push notifications to your users, you have to go through this system. And basically, governments can request data regarding these push notifications, such as the phone and associated Apple or Google account, which app the notification came from and when, and possibly unencrypted content such as the text in the notification. So in my case, the government might know that every single day the New York Times tells me when it gets a new crossword puzzle, <laughs> which is very exciting. Wow. If you are not a boring person like me, um, the possible things that the government could use is for, according to an anonymous source I was talking to routers, the agency could use this data to link an anonymous messaging app user to a specific account. And then 404 Media published a warrant, which indicates that it could be used to identify the device that someone was using. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to be sneaky on the internet but you have the Sephora app downloaded and it sends you a push notification anytime you're within a mile radius of a store to compel you to buy things, maybe you're not as sneaky as you thought. Mm, I see. So if you want to be a little sneaky and off the grid, disable all of those push notifications essentially is what we're saying here. And probably just like don't have a phone and don't exist. Yeah, that would be better. (laughs) That would just be much better actually. Yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, if they want to find you, they'll just find you. Probably mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah. Like, Mark, you're not safe. You on your yeah, high no, horse I, of no push <laughs> notifications. I'm fully aware. I've made my choice. I do have like almost maybe 100 apps or <laughs> I don't know, probably not that many, but at least 50 to 75. And um, it's hard enough to like literally just find them on my phone. So actually, maybe that's why I should have push notifications so that they could remind me of the ones that do exist. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. How are you going to know when there's a new crossword puzzle? That's easy. It drops at the same time every single day. Why do I even have this notification? (laughs) Wow. But what does this mean for people that don't exactly love the idea of the government viewing their push notifications or the text in their push notifications or knowing about Sephora sales, for example? Honestly, nothing. Let's be real here. Uh, The letter is basically, it's not saying like, hey, I think the government should stop doing this. It's, I think the government should let Apple and Google share that they're doing this. So now we know, maybe Google and Apple can tell us statistics about the demands they receive. There was something in the letter about notifying particular people if their data has been requested. Of course, the court can also get a gag order. So maybe not. Basically, we're being watched through our devices 
at all times. And I guess now we know about one more way, but (laughs) that's it. Now we know about it. (laughs) That's great. And knowing is power. Yes? Yeah. And I mean, if you want to disable these notifications, you are more than welcome to. And you probably should because they're annoying. I know because I have them all. <laughs> but ultimately, I, I think it's just like a an interesting insight into something that you would think was really innocuous. Yeah. Well, whatever you decide to do with your notifications uh, for all of our listeners, whether you want to be a Mark or a Juliet, <laughs> take your pick. The government will know it anyways. All right, that will do it for us here today. Thank you so much for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We will see you next week, everybody. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.